Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen. Time to preview Wild Card Weekend here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. I am your host, Danny Burke. Happy to have you with us. We'll be looking to preview every single game on the weekend and Monday night slate. Of course, with myself and Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa on the tweets where you can follow him and Matt Humans at Matt Humans 247 on Twitter. However, before we get into all of the action, folks, let me remind you, if you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. You get tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving every single game. Deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season, where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all of the big game props. So don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today and sign up for just $9.99 and become part of the sports betting network. That's V-S-I-N dot com slash subscribe mike uh let's start out with you because we did cap off the contest we've got the circa millions finish we've got survivor finish came down to the wire why don't you give us a little conclusion on both of those guys before we get into everything well it certainly was an exciting weekend and the three survivors each chose a different team could have all taken jacksonville brown a did take the jags and uh after that expedited review, yes, it was a fumble, and uh, he got to the house early. Um, Jed had Seahawks as an option. He took them. 
Mike Barth, who was the enemy within, he could have taken the Jaguars. He could have taken the Vikings. He went with the Colts, and he explained it to uh, uh, our, our reporter, Brady Cannon, who, who grilled him on the uh, contest show. He said, you know, the Jaguars are a young team, and they hadn't been in that spot before, and he was afraid the Vikings would pull the starters early, uh, and that would become an exhibition game, and Houston needed to lose to get the one seed, so... He took the Colts and he was eliminated. So officially, it's a two-way chop, three million each. Now, Mike Barth, when he was pressed by the Mike Wallace of Eason, Dave Tooley, did admit that there was a save between the three, but he couldn't discuss the amount because of the NDAs they had signed with their lawyers. So my suspicion is Mike Barth's walking away a millionaire as well. Um, he will be here on Friday uh, when uh, the other two gentlemen uh, tomorrow night at Circa, we do the presentation of all the checks for all the winners, the top 100, the quarterly winners, and then, of course, the two survivors at the D in the Detroit Ballroom tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. You know, I don't necessarily fault his reasoning. In fact, I thought there was a good chance the Titans were going to beat the Jaguars, and they probably should have, if not for that uh, fluke uh, fumble return for a touchdown. But to put all that money on the line on the Colts, yeah, that's, uh, that's risky, very risky. Yeah, believe me, there's risk involved in all of them. But the Colts, he was right in the end because the Colts lost on a fourth and 20 touchdown pass. That's just one of the worst beats you're ever going to see. But from this perspective, Maddie, mm-hmm. the other two provided better hedging opportunities and yeah. both came through. Titans plus six, Rams plus six. You sure. could bet the other side and you'd have scooped uh, with the two and a half number. Very tough. Now, he would have had a big, he had big in-game number when the Colts went up 10. But how much money can you get down with five minutes left yeah. in the game on an in-game? Bet? No, all yeah. those are good points. Yep. Yep. I was just blown away how you don't choose the Minnesota Vikings there. I, I, I'm sorry. I'll never get over that. I mean, the Vikings clearly had something to play for in the sense that the seeding was technically still alive. You had to get the stink off of the game before against the Packers and the Bears were blatantly tanking. You were going against Peterman and Tim Boyle. I mean, the Bears were trying to tank harder than the Texans were. I- I'm sorry. I-, I think that's ridiculous that you don't choose the Minnesota Vikings in that spot. That blew me away. And yet at the end of the first half, Kevin O'Connell was so concerned with not giving Nathan Peterman the ball with 15 seconds left <laughs> yeah. that he couldn't even get a field goal attempt off. Right, right. <laughs> think about that. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that was concerning, that's for sure. But, hey, uh, it was a fun season. It was a blast to watch that contest go all the way to the end. And uh, you guys did a fantastic job once again, Mike. Danny, and I tell you what, the, the millions came down to the Packers and, and, and the Lions and those four guys. Mm. So they're tied. Two entries were exactly tied heading into the Sunday night game. The entry Chiefs, who's the four guys from Metro Detroit who were here all week and hanging out with Derek. And then Ebot, who's the plumber from Chicago, we know that because Ebot came out and got his check for 60000 He finished second in the second quarter. He was the leader the last four weeks of the contest. They were tied. Ebot had Packers minus four and a half. Chiefs had Lions plus four and a half. And I was with them about what are you going to do? You're going to try to hedge this because also if the Lions won, they split the fourth quarter. So that was another 105,000. Mm-hmm. The problem was the line, as we suggested, had moved to five and a half. And they said, we're not laying five and a half. It lands five. We don't even get to 500,000 from second. We lose the edge two. They wrote it out. And their Detroit Lions got them a payday of $1.105 in that nice. contest. Not too shabby, man. Yeah. Great stuff.
All right, guys. Well, let's jump into it. Looking at Saturday's game to start things off. Let's talk San Francisco. Let's talk Seattle. The 49ers opened as high as about a 10 and a half point favorite. Uh, we saw at several shops. Others had it as low as about nine and a half, depending on where you looked. But right now, the consensus line is nine in the hook in favor of San Francisco. Totals about 42 across the board. Um, Matt, I'll let you take the stage here first. I know this game's going to be calling for some choppy weather conditions here, maybe a little bit of rain and some wind. How does this affect your handicap, and what do you like overall for this spot? Well, you would think, if you look at the numbers, the Niners should be able to run the ball all over the Seattle defense. And uh, I, I don't really care about the trends with rookie quarterbacks. Um, you know, you're talking about Brock Purdy. He's from Iowa, a state that produces exceptional people. Right, Mike? Exceptional quarterbacks <laughs> yeah, as well. That's right. And uh, I think he could be the exception to the rule. What we've seen with some uh, rookie quarterbacks in the postseason in the past. And if you look at Brock Purdy's numbers since he became a starter, he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, whether you believe those numbers or not. Um, I just think the, the Niners are going to be run heavy here. The Seattle D is going to struggle to stop the run. And... I lean Niners. What what I did with this, by the way, I played a six and a half point teaser and uh, teased the Niners down to uh, minus three. I'll talk about who I paired it with here. I don't like to lay points. Definitely don't like to lay more than three in the NFL. But I think this is a game where the Niners should should pull away and probably win by double digits. But I'm going to play it safe in the way I bet it. Mike, what do you like here? Well, everything tells me I should like San Francisco, which tells me I shouldn't play the game. Mm -hmm. I smell a rat a little bit, Danny, and I don't like the weather factor coming in here because the weather can be a very evening factor in creating turnovers and things like that. Um, the Niners defense played well uh, against Geno in both outings. Remember, he was really kind of lost in the sauce in that week two game when he went to thrown in there in San Francisco. Uh, played better in Seattle in that game. That was a pretty decent Thursday night football game, actually. I know the Niners covered as a three-point road favorite, 21-13. Both games went under during the regular season, 27-7 uh, and 21-13. Um, I might look at the total of 42-and-a-half here. I lean under. I did play a teaser here with San Francisco. This is the only way I was going to play it. I wasn't going to lay the 9-and-a-half. I also do have a money line parlay that I bet on Monday. Um, Georgia 49ers. Uh, and and uh, Bills. So I just didn't see any of the three teams losing, but I don't want to lay nine and a half. I think that's a lot of points. Pete Carroll, this may be a, a closer game than we think. Well, you got the hard part out of the way because you had to sweat out the Georgia leg of that parlay. <laughs> yeah, we got there. Somehow we <laughs> that, got there. It's not easy, but you got there with that one. Uh, here, the Niners defense was number one in the league in rushing, allowing about 75 yards per game going into that uh, game here in Vegas mm -hmm. in week 17. The Raiders ran the ball really effectively on the Niners. Yeah, that might be one red flag. Can the Seahawks run the ball uh, against the San Francisco D? You know, I'm not really going to look at the previous matchups between these teams. I don't know if they're relevant at this point. And uh, if you watch the Seahawks last week, they needed a really bad throw from Baker Mayfield and some breaks from the officials to win that game at home. Three yes. breaks from the officials, right. I thought. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. It looked like they were trying everything they could to get the Seahawks in the win column in that game. So I was not that impressed with the way they played a week ago. I have to play the Niners on a teaser. That's the only way I can play the game. 
Yeah, guys, I'm with you. I teased down San Francisco this morning. So us three will all be teasing down the 49ers, laying nine in the hook pretty much across the board right now against the Seahawks. He got the number one overall defense, according to DVOA, against the 21st in Seattle. And like Matt already kind of expressed, I mean, the Seattle team is not good against the run. They're 25th. And that's really a specialty out of San Francisco. If Purdy even wasn't that good, you could still hang your head on the fact that they can be dynamic in the run game with the addition of Christian McCaffrey. But Purdy has been an outright stud, and you have a very vulnerable defense in Seattle going against Shanahan's scheming offense that can really dominate against any opponent. And I think the defense will do enough to force Geno to make mistakes, especially in what could potentially be harsh weather conditions. Geno Smith has really regressed. I mean, seven interceptions in his last seven games hasn't gone over a completion percentage of 62% throughout the last three games, nor has he thrown for over 215 passing yards over the last three games. So I'm with you guys. I like teasing down San Francisco here, and we'll say the team I'm teasing with uh, a little bit later on. Danny Burke, what is Kenneth Walker's rushing prop? All right, Kenneth Walker, I got 55 and a half is the best number, it looks like. Too high. Okay. I, I would go over something mid-40s, upper 40s. I'm not going to go over, but I think they will try to run the ball, especially if it's raining. Mm -hmm. and, and look, Kenneth Walker comes out of the Big Ten where he's played in a lot of rain. He's played on turf, right? He's played on grass field. Mm -hmm. So I think he could have a decent game, but 55 and a half, a little high. Now, would you do something maybe with his rush attempts? Would there be a number that would interest you in that then if you don't no. like the yards as much? But the problem is if they get behind. That's the problem. That's what I was thinking, too. If you, <laughs> yeah. get, if you get behind, he's not going to yeah. get many carries. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 16 and a half is the number for carries. It's kind of steep. Although in that game in Kansas City, when they were down 10 and 13, they did keep running him in the second half a lot. But that's a little different circumstance in a playoff Well, game. that's a good point, too. Yeah. Pete Carroll's very stubborn about trying to yeah. run the ball. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on. Jacksonville, Los Angeles next. I think this is the most fascinating game of wildcard weekend. And this line's kind of been going all over the place. Not drastic movements, but just back and forth. So I saw the Chargers open up at two in the hook, and then it kind of came down to like one and a half, close to a pick. And when Brady and I were talking on Monday, he wouldn't—he was saying he wouldn't have been surprised if Jacksonville flipped as a slight favorite. Uh, totals bumped up all the way to 47 and the hook. Uh, Matt, is there anything worth playing in this game, or is this maybe a live bet approach? How do you attack this one? Yeah, I don't have a pregame bet on this. First of all, I never trust the Chargers when they're favorites. And I don't like what Brandon Staley did in Week 18, and who does? Mike Williams is sitting out of practice this week with an injury because he played in a meaningless game. Justin Herbert took some hard hits there. Uh, Bozo limped off the field injured. Uh, I, I don't like the way Brandon – I don't trust Brandon Staley. Let's put it that way. And I think what, what's best actually here – and this has nothing to do with how to bet the game, Mike, but I think the best result for the Chargers would be to lose this game, fire Brandon Staley, and hire Sean Payton as coach. I, I just had this discussion on the Lombardi line off Did air it? on the break uh -huh. about – if you're a Charger fan, don't you want to get wiped out here and have a chance to get Peyton and be the most attractive offer for him right now? Right. I mean, do you think he really wants to go to Denver? I'm not, tied to Russell I Wilson? I don't think he wants yeah. to coach Kyler Murray in yeah. Arizona yeah. either. Yeah. And uh, the, the Texans is a long rebuild, and I don't think Sean Peyton wants to do that. But if you, who doesn't want to coach Justin Herbert mm -hmm. if you're an offensive-minded coach? Yeah. And uh, if, if the Chargers win this game, it makes it that much harder to fire Brandon Staley. You really can't do it. You can't fire a coach who won a playoff game. If he loses this game, you can. And uh, 
you can hire Sean Payton, and I think that's what the Chargers should do. But that has nothing to do with how to bet this game. I don't trust the Chargers as favorites. I'm not buying into the Jaguars and this big revival. Hey, they should have lost that game last week against the Titans. Should have lost the game. Their offense was anemic. Mike Vrabel did a nice job. You can only get so far with Joshua Dobbs, a quarterback, and eventually one big mistake came back to uh, haunt the Titans in that game. Uh, and by the way, the Jaguars, okay, they're in the playoffs. They won the division. That's the worst division in football. And uh, they, they just beat up on some ragdolls in their division. But they did blow out the Chargers the first time they played. The Chargers were in a different situation then. I thought that if, you, if you're a situational handicapper, that was a great week to bet the Jaguars when they went to L.A. This is a totally different situation. I don't have a feel for this game, Mike. I would play the dog or tease it up. I haven't done anything. I'll probably just live bet the game. I agree with Danny. It's the most interesting game of the weekend. And it that, is. They could have the most varied of results mm-hmm. that you'd be, you you wouldn't be surprised by. That game was the, the Chase Daniel game. Where well, on the scoreboard 45 minutes before the game, it said Chase Daniel was starting. Herbert started and That's Jacksonville right. dominated That's right. yep. in L.A. at SoFi. Um, the line movement crazy. Three to pick back to two and a half. Um, I don't know. I don't know here. I, you know. I don't think either of these two teams can make a deep run. And so to, to, to Matt's point, it might be the best result for them to lose this game or, to, or to, you know, have Mike Williams not play and, and all the craziness that happened in Denver. I couldn't believe what I was watching wow. as they came out for the second half as well. He kept playing these guys into the fourth quarter. That's like a different kind. It's a different kind of bad beat if you played the Broncos minus three because that should have been a winning bet. And you have no – there's no logical reason for the – the uh, Chargers coach be playing his guys that deep into the game. Yeah, I passed this game, Danny. I don't have a feel for it uh, either way. All right, guys, I actually played the total over in this game at 46 in the hook a little bit earlier this week on like Monday morning at minus 118. So I just think this is going to be a back and forth kind of nonsensical shootout here with two of these defenses that aren't I mean, especially Jacksonville, right? I mean, they're 30th against the pass. And what do the Chargers love to do? Throw the ball consistently, utilize Justin Herbert as much as possible. And if Mike Williams is in the game, of course, that's going to be a huge boost. Uh, Jacksonville also 31st in DVOA red zone defense, 27th against the run, 20th against the pass. But then if you look at the other side of the ball, yeah, the Chargers have been improving defensively. We're finally seeing Brandon Staley seemingly make some adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. but. At the end of the day, the Chargers run defense is absolutely horrific. They ended up this season allowing the most yards per rush attempt at 5.4. In the last three games, that number was increased to 5.8. So I think ETN can have an explosive game for Jacksonville. I think they can absolutely set up play action efficiently, and I think they can expose this Chargers red zone defense. It just has the feelings and makings of being a high score back and forth affair. I've got no idea what to do in terms of a side because I don't want to trust any of these teams, but I do think it's going to be higher scoring. So I'm in on over 46 and a half between Jacksonville in Los Angeles. Do you guys have any thoughts on the total here? No, but I like your phrase, nonsensical shootout. That's good, Danny. That's, uh, <laughs> we always got to get one little phrase, you know? I, I, here, I don't disagree with you here. I think, if anything, it probably is a, a little bit of a higher-scoring game, but like you said, I don't, I don't have a pregame bet here. All right, well, let's go ahead then and move on to Sunday, fellas. We've got Buffalo and Miami. I guess it's Skylar Thompson, huh? We see Buffalo now as a 13-point 
home favorite total at 43 in the hook. I've got nothing here, especially with the line moving up so high. Uh, Mike, did you like anything in this game before the news, after? How do you look to approach it? Well, I wish I would have jumped on Buffalo at eight and a half when they said two of us might play, and then two hours later, he's definitely out. Yeah. Four-point move immediately. No, but if this game gets to 14, don't you almost have to make a bet on Miami at 14? Um, it's tough to say, well, in a playoff game, one team's going to win by three scores. Uh, you know, with two in that game, you could argue Miami was the better team in that game, uh, what, three weeks ago in, no in Buffalo, right? right. And, and and they were able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, without two, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. Obviously, Buffalo can bring more into the box, but I'm not interested at this price at 13 yet. But at 14, I lean, I lean to Miami. Yeah, if, this is one of those games where you have to wait to see where the line goes on game day if you haven't bet it yet. And if, the, if it goes to 14, I, I might – Bet the Dolphins. I might look at the dog in this game, too. Uh, you know, I made a mistake in this game, and uh, I, I was uh, writing this up, and I thought, two is not going to play in this game. I should lay this number with the Bills. And I didn't do it, and then uh, <laughs> waited too long, and now now you see what we're looking at. And <clears throat> that's you just can't hesitate to pull the trigger on some of these if you have a strong feeling. I... There was no indication that Tua was going to clear concussion protocol. Mike, I, I'm i not sure, you know, if the, even if the Dolphins pulled off the upset here, if he would play next week. I think Tua is one or two concussions away from not playing in the NFL again. I think you're right, Matty, and I think there's a it's better than a one-in-four chance he never takes another snap in the NFL, yeah. especially with the Dolphins. But then who's going to sign him? In the wake of Hamlin and a guy almost dying on the field, here's a guy with three concussions in eight weeks. How does anybody put him out there? How does any medical staff clear him? That's why I don't think he's going to play at all this season. Mm -hmm. If you see Tua, it's going to be, you know, in August of 2023. But, yeah, that's that's just a mistake to not not to lay the number when it bottomed out with Buffalo. And now uh, I, I don't really like much of anything with this game. And then, you know, here's right. another thing, too. You don't have to take even the 14 when it goes there. Let's say it goes to 14. The Bills drive down, take a 7-0 lead. Then you can live bet it and take a big number with the Dolphins. Yep. You always have that option, too. For sure. All right, guys, let's talk Minnesota and New York next. I, I feel like there's something here, but I can't get there. It's just so tough. And the number at three feels right. I would be a little bit more inclined to look toward the Giants with it being at three total open 47 now up to 48 in the hook. I mean, the last time they played, it was on Christmas Eve and the Vikings beat the Giants at home 27 to 24. So it fell right on three. Some notable stats from that game. They made Daniel Jones look like a stud 30 of 42 for 334 passing yards, one touchdown and one pick. You have to really try to make him look that good. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 34, 48, 299 in the air, three passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Jefferson, 12 catches, a buck 33 for a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson had his breakout game with the Vikings, 13 catches, 109 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Barkley, 14 carries, 84 rushing yards, one touchdown. What I thought was interesting, despite the Vikings winning, the Giants actually outgained them 6.7 yards per play to the Vikings five. Vikings went three of four in the red zone. Giants just went one of two. And the Giants had two turnovers in that game. The Vikings had none, yet they were still in a position to win it. 
And that's kind of out of character for the Giants. They got a turnover differential of plus three this season. The second fewest giveaways at 16. Again, like I feel like a lot of people are more inclined to look toward the Giants because it's really hard to trust Minnesota. I do think Minnesota playing at home does give them a slight nod and they should have the talent on paper to be the better team. But Matt, I I just don't think I can get there and lay it pre-flop. I'm going to let Mike go first here, Mike. I took three. Um, Look, how much is it worth Dabo against O'Connell? I I think Dabo is a very good game manager. Mm -hmm. We talk about all the idiotic moves, managing timeouts, replays, um, clock, all that stuff, distance, fourth down. I think the guy makes very few mistakes. O'Connell, I I don't get the play calling. I don't get when they go fourth down and they throw all these long passes on fourth down. They don't just try to keep the chains moving. I think the Giants are going to keep this game very close that the Minnesota effort is not there. You know, we say, oh, Minnesota is a 13 and four team or whatever. But what are they? They're they're like a nine and eight team. They got a lot of breaks during the course of the year. Uh, I just I thought this line would come down. Actually, it hasn't. It stayed at three. And I have a small play there with the dog. I think the worst case I do here is push. Yeah, the uh, the only concern I had here is I thought this was going to be a very public dog. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case no. so far. Not really. It's not moving. Yeah, we're not really picking that up as the week goes on like I thought. Uh-huh. I, I, I really thought we'd see a lot of a handicappers putting out yep. Giants plus three plays and the public would be all over the Giants. That really didn't happen. I didn't want to be on the Giants if that were the case, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Vikings are a little bit phony. And uh, like Mike says, you know, you watch football games and you watch, you know, I'll draw a parallel to baseball. You watch baseball games, and there are certain managers that don't make many mistakes, and there are other managers who make all kinds of freaking mistakes, and they drive you crazy when you watch games. Brian Dable, when I watch the Giants, I never really have a problem with anything he does. He manages games almost perfectly. And I can't say that about Kevin O'Connell. I don't want to bet against Dable here, and I think he did the right thing last week setting Mm -hmm. out his guys. He's got two weeks to game plan here for the Giants. Uh, if anything here uh, for the Vikings, if anything, I'm going to be on the dog at plus three. I have not bet this yet because I, I wanted to make sure it was not going to be like the public dog of the week. Uh, but I do I do like the Giants side. Yeah, like I said, I, I've got nothing, but I completely understand the sentiment wanting to take the points with the Giants. Really, the, the one thing that would steer me away is just because of how poor they've been in defending the run, allowing the second most yards per rush attempt at 5.2. And you would think if there's an ingredient to the success for the Vikings, it's getting Dalvin Cook established early, and then you can implement the play action with which Kirk Cousins does so well. But if you can't get that and you're abandoning the run right away, then I think they're really going to be in trouble. And look, Dalvin Cook these past few weeks has really, really not looked strong. So if you're not getting him going right away against a weaker part of the Giants defense, I think it's going to be a tough outing for this Minnesota team. And I think you guys are right. The coaching advantage certainly lies with the Giants based on what we've seen up until this point. But yeah, that spreads at three. Uh, Total has ticked up to 48 and the hook. You know, you've got a All couple. Right. You've had a couple yeah, warning uh, flags, red flags, with the Vikings along the way too. When they got blown out at home by the Cowboys, when they got blown out by the Packers, you know they, they've been exposed by teams that aren't great teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I would not be surprised at all if the Giants roll in there and beat the Vikings. So that's uh, that's the side I prefer. 
All right, Mike, I want to start with you on this next one with the Bengals and the Ravens. You and I have been riding this Cincinnati Bengals train for, it seems like, at least the second half of the season. This team has been red hot. The Ravens, on the other hand, are in complete shambles. It looks like the further we progress in this week, Lamar Jackson may not be playing. He still hasn't taken a snap in, like, what, like a month and a half? Hasn't practiced this week, and Tyler Huntley's even a little bit banged up. I don't know what his official status is, but since he opened as low as five and a half. Now you're seeing it as high as 10. There were a lot of books that had eight in the hook this morning, at least out here in Illinois. And again, now out by you guys, nine and a half is consensus, but there are several tens. I mean, look, the Ravens won the first game 19 to 17. That was with Lamar. They just played this past Sunday. The Bengals won 27 to 16. So, Mike, uh, are you trusting the Bengals once again? Did you maybe look at a teaser now that the line's gotten out of hand? What was your play for this spot? No, I wanted to take a touchdown with Lamar uh, in this spot. We're not, you're not, Lamar's not playing anymore for the Ravens. He's done. He's done. He's, why would he take a chance on getting hurt when he's, you know, one game from a, from a lottery ticket it's here. A business, and he's gonna, business it is. decision. It's a yep. business decision. He's not playing. I, I thought it would have been a good game with Lamar coming back. Uh, I thought it would have been a good chance to bet this under 40, 44, 43 and a half with Lamar. We're not going to get those chances. If I had to play now, I'd lay nine and a half with the Bengals, but I'm not going to do that either. Yeah, this is the other half of my teaser. Tease the Niners down to minus three and the uh, Bengals down to minus two. And um, obviously that number's gone up a little bit. Mike, do you think some of that that line move up on the bookmaker's part today is a little bit of teaser protect, protection? For sure it is yeah, because yeah. You, because everybody's sitting out there now that the Niners are in the teaser zone. Right. That's the problem. That's an ob- the, the obvious tease. And when it was a teaser play, the Niners were 10 and 10 and a half. And so you, you kind of protected it both ways. Right. So it's, it's a little bit late to be teasing the Bengals yeah. uh, right now, but hopefully you've already done that. But anyway, um, Mike's right. I, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to play for the Ravens again, and that's why this is another game. He should have laid the points early. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a chance he was going to play. He's he's going to get a huge contract from the Jets or somebody else. He's not going to risk it by going out there for the Ravens in a playoff game. So you knew it was going to be Huntley or Anthony Brown the whole time, and um, no surprise here. I don't I really don't have much interest in, uh, in backing the Ravens. I, you know, I, I watched the, the replay last night of the second Bengals-Ravens game. And, uh, man, these, these teams play ugly football when they get together. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would only look under if I played the total. And uh, I have to bet on Joe Burrow. And if you can find a way somehow to tease the Bengals, I, w- I would recommend that. Even the money line parlay price gets a little yeah. bit high at this point, doesn't it? It's yeah. just tough to do. But you 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 parlayed uh, the Bengals on a money line, Georgia. I think at a much cheaper price yeah. than we have right now. Oh right? yeah, much much much. The Bengals cheap. were down much around cheaper. minus what two twenty at one point. Yeah, I think I got them at two thirty five. Okay. Yeah, I think right now with like the best money line prices or this morning, it was like minus two dollars to do the 49ers and the Bengals on just a two team money line parlay. But Matt, I did the same thing with you, my friend. I teased down San Francisco and I paired that with teasing down the Bengals. Like I said earlier today in Illinois, a bunch of not a bunch, but like a handful of eight in the hooks out there. So I did 49ers minus two and a half on a seven point teaser along with the Bengals minus one in the hook. 
Uh, there are still some nine in the hooks out here in Illinois. I know out by you guys. And again, yeah, there's still some nine in the hooks, but it's getting up there to that 10 spot like you were alluding to perhaps a teaser protection by some of these sports books. But a lot of the movement going towards Cincinnati. At well, this look point. at the money so, line uh, price, Danny, to the inflation in this, Mike. I think what's your sheet showing? That sheet's from a couple days well, ago. Well, that was 300 two days ago. Two days ago, 300. Right yeah. now, minus 510 yeah. at Circa. That's the difference in the Bengals' money line. Damn. All right, final game, guys. Bucks, Cowboys. Uh, Mike, I guess we'll start with you because uh, I'm assuming this is the second leg to your teaser that you discussed earlier with the yeah. 49ers. Dallas opened up as a three-point favorite, but it's it's come down to two in the hook. So seems like that prime teaser spot for Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, I took Tampa Bay up. You know, we've known this was going to be the Monday night or Sunday night game of Wild Card Weekend for a month. Yeah. We knew it's going to be Dallas and, and, <laughs> and Tampa Bay. The only way it wasn't is if Tampa Bay somehow lost the division. Uh, and, and I had in my mind the fact that I was going to lay under a field goal with the Cowboys. Well, I got under a field goal, and I ain't laying it. Um, geez, Dak is so flat-footed. He just sits, He doesn't have any get anything into his throws. Uh, seven straight games with an interception. They should have lost at home to the Texans. They were awful last week. Brady suddenly has found Mike Evans. I don't see Dallas routing them in this spot. Tampa beat them the opening game last year. Tampa beat them easily in Dallas, the opening game this year on that Sunday night game. I think it's a tough matchup for the Cowboys. So this was the second part of my teaser. If they win this game, it's a one-two-point two game, I think. Yeah, that's unfortunately here. You got two of the worst coaches in the playoffs going head to head. Who can be the bigger dunce uh, between these two guys? I I played uh, the Buccaneers here plus three. It was not a big bet, and uh, I might also add the Buccaneers on a teaser. But I do like the Bucks side, and I had this game circled like Mike said for a few weeks. But I was thinking about playing the Bucks mm-hmm. if I could see some signs that their offense was going to wake up. Late in the season, I think their offense did show some signs that it was waking up late in the season. And the Cowboys went the other way. And you go back to December 11th when they needed some lucky breaks to beat the Texans at home. I think you've seen a Dallas defense that's been in decline. Uh, you, you've seen an offense. You want to be peaking in late December, early January. The Cowboys are doing the opposite. And I actually think the Buccaneers might be pulling it together. I mean, this game's going to tell us. But... I've I've seen enough signs here to think that the Buccaneers are the play. And like I said, I, t- I took him at plus three. I believe in Brady and the weapons he's got on offense. The key, the match, the key here is going to be the Tampa Bay offensive line. Can it give Brady enough time to throw the ball? Because if you can, the Buccaneers are going to win this game. If the Dallas pass rush gets to Brady and Micah Parsons is in his face all day, that's going to be big problems for the Buccaneers. Hey, this is a Tampa Bay team. That has not uh, won a game by more than six points since week two. An offense has scored more than 23 points in only two games all season. So I don't expect an offensive eruption here. But if the offensive line can give Brady some time, I think he can pick apart the Dallas defense. But that's that's a big if because uh, this Dallas pass rush, I believe, is the strength of the team. I, I'm willing to fade Dak, though. The more I've watched... Uh, I've watched some Cowboys replays and kind of watched Dak closely here the past few weeks. Like Mike said, he's thrown off his back foot. He's he's not making the right reads. He's totally confused. I think he's dazed and confused in this offense uh, right now. And um, the way he played last week, 
I have a hard time betting on him this week. And he's four, he was 14 for 37. The offense had 182 yards, 2.8 yards per play against a Washington defense that was down some starters. And typically in the NFL, I like to do, if a team looks bad one week, I like to bet on that team the next week. I'm not going to do that here with the Cowboys <laughs> uh, because I don't believe in Mike McCarthy and his staff and their ability to get this thing turned around. And in a situation like this, who are you going to bet on? Dak, who's been slumping all season, or Tom Brady, who's actually showed some positive signs here the past couple weeks. So I think uh, if you didn't grab the three on the Bucks, tease it up. Yeah, I agree with you. I would only lean toward Tampa Bay in this spot. Tom Brady in the postseason, completely different beast, you would imagine, despite being competent head coaches in this spot. And also, look, I think Tampa Bay's defense doesn't get as much credit. Their defense is a the reason they were even able to get to this position. Their defense held their own until Tom Brady put together uh, game winning after game winning drive like we've seen him do so many times. But that's really the most frequently when we saw offensive success because of bad play calling from Leftwich, bad coaching from Todd Bowles. But the defense has been holding strong. Have they regressed from their championship days? Sure they have, but I still think that's a strong suit. And Dak Prescott has not proven that he can be a trustworthy guy. And neither has Mike McCarthy just as much in the head coaching level. Uh, before I, I tell you guys my play really quick, in terms of a prop, I want to ask your thoughts on this. So Tom Brady, despite being, what, 45 years old, he's averaging just as many pass attempts per game if you don't count the last game where he only played the half. So he's at 45 pass attempts per game, one of the least efficient run offenses. And now you're going up against a Dallas run defense that is fairly stout. I see 42 in the hook as his pass attempts prop. Would you guys maybe look to betting that over, assuming that if they can't immediately get that run game going, which they haven't, they'll panic and then just start throwing the ball immediately? Is that something to consider? Yeah, I don't know if it's panic. I think that's the only way the Buccaneers can move the football. Uh, and if you look at Brady, he led the league in completions, 490, and attempts, 733. And it seems like the only way, Mike, the Buccaneers move the ball is when they get in a two-minute type of offense and they have to play, pick up the pace and play a faster pace. And I actually think that would be effective against this Dallas defense. Well, we certainly saw it several times this year, including on that Monday night game against the Saints. They did nothing until he went to a hurry-up. And then when they get into the hurry-up, you know, the defense can't substitute. And he's, got a, and he's just very good in a two-minute drill. He has right. been for 20 years. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thought, Danny. All right, the play that I did do, guys, I did a first half under 22 in the hook. Now, we already know that the first game was low scoring, 19-3. to It's not that I'm just automatically banking on that being replicated. But look, in terms of DVOA, Tampa Bay's first and first half defense. Um, and then Dallas is 22nd offensively. Tampa Bay's 14th and first half offense. Dallas is 15th defensively. I just can't imagine Tampa Bay comes out exploding on the offensive side because seldom have we seen that from them this entire year. Tampa Bay limiting opponents to just nine first half points per game. Dallas is allowing just 11. Tampa Bay's only putting up eight and a half first half points per game. Dallas is at 13, but again, Tampa Bay's first half defense has been really, really strong. So uh, I did first half under 22 in the hook at minus 110 between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Do you do you guys uh -huh. have any thoughts on this total? I think your, uh, your explanation there makes some sense. I tend to agree with that. I think it's probably going to be uh, a lower scoring tight type of game too because like you said, we keep waiting for that Bucks offensive explosion that never happens. Um, it's interesting here. You got two teams in the NFC who have home games 
who have minus point differentials mm-hmm. on the season. The Buccaneers are eight and nine with a minus forty-five, and the Vikings thirteen and four at minus three. Has that ever happened? Well, we, I, <laughs> probably not. And we know that we just started this super wild card deal. But how about all six games are rematches? I know all <laughs> six rematches. That's that's bizarre too. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and recap some of our best bets heading into Wild Card Weekend. Mike, we can start with you. Last week, you ended 2-1. and one. You knocked in the Steelers under 40 with that matchup. Uh, you teased down the Seahawks and the Vikings. The Seahawks made you sweat, that's for sure, but you cashed that in. Bengals, Ravens, you lost the under 41, so you went 2-1. and 32-21-1 is your overall record. Your best bets for this weekend look like what? Well, let's grade the pre the other prop, the other bets we had, Danny, from before the year and during the year. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. let's go through it. I had two two-team parlays before the season. I had Bears' worst record in <laughs> NFC Central with Seahawks' worst record in NFC West. That did not work out. But I did have the two division winner parlay right, Bills and Buccaneers. And then I hit the Steelers alternate over, over yeah, eight and a half plus, plus, plus two dollars. But I lost the, the Baltimore over ten and a half in season bet that I made. So I ended up going two and two on those, those other bets. Two plays, Danny. Uh, Giants minus three for a straight bet. And then we have the teaser with the 49ers and the Buccaneers. Giants okay, plus Giants three. three. Yeah, Giants plus three. Or yeah, plus is one three. straight bet. Yeah, plus three. And then San Francisco minus two and a half with Tampa Bay plus 10. Okay. Got that right. in. And then Matt, last week, uh, before we get to yours, you had a solid week as well. You went three and two, Titans covering, Giants covering, Steelers covering, Colts screwed you, uh, and the Raiders uh, didn't give you a chance. But three and two <laughs> is what you ended with your picks. You dished out here on mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, your official plays for this weekend are what? Yeah, the, uh, hey man, when you take a beat like that with the Colts, you can't cry about it. If you, if you bet on a bad team like that, Bad things are going to happen sometimes, right? So it's kind of like the uh, the survivor. What's his name? Mike, Mike Barth. Barth plays the Colts. Yeah. You can't be stunned when a bad thing happens to a bad team at the end of a game. I I played the Bucks plus three, and I played the Forty ers minus three, Bengals minus two, and a teaser. Now those numbers are not available as we speak right now, Danny. So I, I guess for an official play, I would have to go. I'll just replace, I'll just call it a 49ers Buccaneers teaser. Let's just do that since we're playing the, the numbers that are currently available. I'll just play a Niners Buccaneers teaser. But I, I will say, put me down for a, uh, I guess at this point, put me down for a, a small money line bet on Tampa Bay. Even though I've got plus three, I think the Buccaneers are going to win the game. Yeah, I like it. Um, Before I get to mine, Mike, since you updated some of your futures, I have more than a handful of futures. But in terms of the ones we talked about uh, originally, I had the Seahawks under six wins. That, of course, did not come through. Texans under four and a half wins. That did come through. Ravens over nine and a half. They made me sweat more than I thought I needed to. That was a winner. Vikings over eight and a half, which was my favorite bet. Look, it wasn't easy, but uh, even though the record says it was, the games were certainly not easy. So that was nice. 
Um, and then I had some in season ones lines under their win total. Didn't get their Jags under theirs. Didn't get their Eagles over their wins. We got there with them. And then we're waiting to hear out on some of these awards. So those were some of our preseason bets along with our, of course, Super Bowl futures. We are waiting to see the results of last week. I went three, and zero, had a bounce back performance. Finally, Mike, we needed it, baby. Uh, Steelers come through. They give your alternate uh, win total and they come through on the money line. Six point T's had the Jags had the Vikings six point T's with the chargers up to eight and a half or eight in the hook. Shout out to Brandon Staley for not doing the right thing and covering the teaser for me. And then had that paired with Minnesota as well. So 62 and 67 on the year, my weeks or this week's place for myself. Um, we're doing the Jags and the chargers over 46 and a half at minus one eighteen. Bucks and Cowboys first half under 22 and a half at minus 110. Seven point teaser with the 49ers minus two in the hook and the Bengals down to minus one in the hook, but would still play it down to two in the hook with Cincinnati nine and a half still offer widely available here in the state of Illinois. But that's what I got dialed up for this week. Uh, gentlemen, should be an exciting wild card weekend. Any final thoughts, any futures you may be looking to jump in on as we head to this postseason, or are we all settled up? I was a little bit disappointed, Mike, to see that the uh, AFC Championship game is going to be in Atlanta. Huh? If it's at a neutral site, if it's Bills and Chiefs, it's going to be in Atlanta. I thought Vegas would have been a great place to do it. I uh, I thought Miami should have been the first choice. Okay. Um, and then after that, I, I thought Vegas. I yeah. mean... I don't get Atlanta. Nobody even comes to the football games there unless they get Atlanta United crowd comes out to support the game. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a strange choice. Uh, who knows? That it is what here. Here's a league that had two teams playing at opposite times that affected each other's results. I mean, how could you have the Seahawks Rams game not at the same time uh, as the Packers and the that Lions? Was, that was crazy. Think TV ratings. That. Think you'd ever see the soccer do that, or even baseball plays every yeah. every game at the same time at well, the end of the year. Baseball's got a very shrewd commissioner. Well, they do. They're they've, they're <laughs> they're one of the great marketing stories of our lifetime. Danny, uh, put me down for the Buffalo Bills. I think here at Circa uh, right now, plus three seventy five to win the Super Bowl. Ooh, yeah. If we're going to make Super Bowl picks right now, I'll take the Bills. I think it's the year of Brian Blessing, mm. Demar Hamlin, mm. and the Bills. Uh, but I, I actually feel like Josh Allen and the Bills should have beat the Chiefs on the road last year. Unbelievable collapse seconds. in the final 12, 12 or 13 yeah. seconds of that game. The Bills should have won that game last year. I think the Bills get redemption this year, and the Bills will be my Super Bowl pick. Bills over the Niners in the Super Bowl. Well, that's, that's not good news for everybody rooting for Paulie Howard and his $7,500 ticket that he got from Derek Stevens on the Chiefs. Uh, you know, a lot of people hoping that Paulie can bring that home. Especially Mike, if you, you had probably. to pick a team well, or two from each side, me. who would you look at? First of all, I don't think anybody outside of the top two in the NFC can win it. I don't like anybody from three on down. I think it's all 49ers and Philadelphia. Um, for the price, I would probably take the Bengals right now because I think that the Bengals defense is the untold story of this NFL season. Mm -hmm. They're better than they were when they got. I think they were a little lucky to get to the Super Bowl last year. I think they're better. But they're probably going to have to, you know, they're going now they are going to have to go to Buffalo and Kansas City both. So it's a tough road. And they won in Kansas City last year. I would say this, you know, Mike Lombardi um, tweeted out on Monday and then talked with Mitch and Paul. He thought Tomlin should be the coach of the year. I disagree. Now, he could make this his best coaching performance of the of his career. I'm a huge but, Tomlin fan. Yeah. I think he did a great job, yeah. but Steelers didn't make the playoffs. 
I'm going to throw a name, and I, and I and I support Dayball. If you know, if I had a vote, and that's all that. smart. That's smart. But here's here's a name that won't be in anybody's top five or top eight. How about Andy Reid? How about the fact that everybody else in his division, a division that many called the best of all time, went out and spent with credit cards? Mm-hmm. That he said goodbye to his top wide receiver. He let Honey Badger walk away, and he's the number one seed in the AFC and went six and zero in the division. I know we'll criticize Reid. Doesn't manage the middle eight well. The let you know and, and that. And people will say at the end of his career, well, he had Pat Mahomes, but he's 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 right there with the top two or three coaches in the game. Well, a lot of the greatest coaches of all time had the greatest yeah. players. Phil Jackson had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, yeah. right? Walsh had Montana. You could go on, right? You go yeah. on and on yeah. and on. Uh, Greg Popovich doesn't look so great right now without Tim Duncan, does he? No, he does not. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say uh, Andy Reid... Deserves to be in the conversation, but I think Brian Dable has to yeah. be the coach of the year. Yeah, I think that's got to be widely regarded with Dable. What he was able to do with a crap Giants team, to put it <laughs> just uh, pretty politely, to say the least. And uh, Daniel Jones, not a good quarterback, somehow made it to the postseason, and a lot of people are liking them to win as a slight underdog. Mike, I, I agree with what you said in terms of it. I, I think, again, a lot of people would agree, but there's really only two teams who could come out of the NFC, the Eagles and the 49ers. So can really interchange between those two. I got a plus 550 ticket. To come out of the NFC for the 49ers said the other week had that before Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. So I'll be sweating it out till that point in terms of the AFC. I just think, like you said, too, I mean, the Bengals defense has been their strong suit and what they altered from last year and what makes them an actual contender this year. And especially how they're able to make improvements and adjustments in the second half defensively. And the fact that you're getting as high as eight to one on the Cincinnati team. I saw plus eight fifty earlier. It's moved down. I think that's the best bank for your buck. I'm not saying that I'm personally going to bet it, but in terms of the chiefs plus three fifty, who they've beaten three times and in the playoffs, the bills who, yeah, you didn't get the full effort out of them, but Cincinnati was moving the ball in the small amount of sample size that you had. I just think because of the price, Cincinnati looks pretty good coming out of the AFC, but out of those three, uh, it's really not a bad choice. It just is in terms of what kind of, value you want coming down to it but should be a good postseason fellas looking forward to previewing more weekends remember that is matt humans at matt humans 247 where you could follow him on twitter for mike palm at mike palm circa as for myself at danny burke five thank you for tuning in to another edition of vsense pro football betting podcast best of luck and enjoy the games we'll talk to you again next week hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 